I'm Zena, and today Hostess Saris ventures into a profound conversation, a stark reminder of our shared humanity amidst the chaos of war. As you listen, I urge you to open your eyes, not just to the headlines, but to the lives shattered, the dreams interrupted, and the spirits unbroken despite it all. In recent days, the world's attention has been drawn to the Gaza Strip, where lives hang in the balance, and to the enduring struggle between Israel and Palestine, a conflict etched deep into history. It's easy to see these events as distant, something happening far from our daily lives. But today, I want to bridge that distance to dissolve the illusion of separation. What does war mean to you? Is it merely a headline, a distant tragedy you can turn off with the click of a button? Or is it a profound reminder of the fragility of life, a stark mirror reflecting the resilience of the human spirit amidst unimaginable pain? Imagine waking up to a world torn apart, your home reduced to rubble, your loved ones gone. War isn't just a political debate. It's the silent cries of children in the night, the resilience of mothers who continue to hope, and the indomitable spirit of communities refusing to be erased. The responsibility for war isn't a burden carried only by leaders. It's a weight felt by every soul caught on a crossfire. Who bears the burden of war? Is it the innocent mother praying for her child's safety? Is it the student, their dreams buried beneath the rubble of conflict? Is it the elderly cherishing their final moments of peace? What can we, as fellow humans, do to ease their pain? War isn't just a clash of nations. It's a deeply personal experience for the countless souls who lose their homes, their loved ones, and their dreams. When we hear about these struggles, it's easy to distance ourselves, to think it could never happen to us, but what if it did? What if you woke up tomorrow to find your world shattered, your life irrevocably changed? While we debate who's to blame, we must also ask, what about those whose lives are shattered without a choice? This perspective, obscured by the media's lens, demands our attention. In this episode, I want to introduce you to Gilad, a friend whose story transcends borders. Five years ago, in the landscapes of New Zealand, I found more than just a fellow traveler. I found family. Gilad, a spirited soul, became an integral part of our close-knit community. We weren't just backpackers, we were a family of 13, living on the same roof, waking up to the same sunrises and toiling together in the kiwi fruit fields. In the heart of Tepuke, amidst the orchards, we shared lotter, dreams and everyday moments that transformed strangers into kinder spirits. When the news of bombing reached us, it wasn't just a piece of news. It was a call to action, a reminder that our shared humanity demands our attention, our empathy, and our reflection. It's tempting to shut off the news, to close our eyes and ears to suffering. 
believing it's far removed from our lives. But it's a luxury not everyone has. War isn't just about battles fought on distant lands. It's about shared humanity, the longing for peace, and the understanding that beyond borders and passports we are all one. I urge you, dear listeners, to reflect deeply. It's natural to feel overwhelmed, to turn away from the pain. But I urge you to keep your eyes wide open. See beyond the politics and rhetoric. See the humanity. Reflect on your own life, your privileges, your challenges. Consider what you can do to spread empathy, to raise awareness and to stand against the tide of hatred. In this episode, I challenge you to look beyond the headlines, beyond the politics. Consider the human faces behind the conflict. Reflect on the mothers, the students, the grandparents whose lives are forever scarred. Together, we can make a difference, not just the lives directly impacted by war, but in the world's collective consciousness. Thank you for being a part of this deeply personal and important dialogue. Open your eyes, open your hearts, and let's walk this path of understanding together. Let's dare to think deeper, to empathize more profoundly, and to act with kindness and understanding. The world needs our compassion now more than ever. Let's begin with ourselves. Having people abroad, um, as I said a million times before, and I keep saying because I never take that for granted, people abroad who show care, even if it's not like, this is not your country, this is not your situation, but you have someone you care about, someone you love, someone you 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 want to know they're fine. And in this case, I... I have the, the <laughs> I have the luck. I mean, I'm lucky enough to to have so many people, not just around me here, but globally, who who ask if I'm okay. Just the fact that people want to know that I'm alive and well. Mm. This really does. In this situation, it kind of make kind of makes me feel, you know, like. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that it's exactly like the most important thing because when it comes down to it, you wake up to to the same same situation. Mm-hmm. But it really does like it's charging me with energy. Like it gives me a reason to look wider, to look further away from me, and remember that I am seen as well. So even you, you took it a step further, just like Kieran takes it a step further without even trying, you know, it's just he's doing what we used to do. Like we communicate the way we do. You did the same thing. Mm. I mean, we wanted to have this this interview, but but then you said, wait, Gilly, let's let's talk about the the real problem. Exactly. And and you know, I have no words the- like at the end of the day, we are all friends and we are all human beings and we're living on the same earth, breathing the same air, just like 
we're living in different countries with different politics, with different structures. And these politics, you know, like make us hate each other or love each other. And we forget that, you know, like not the people in some, inside the countries are deciding to have war or to do whatever, you know, like it's the people above us. And I find that shouldn't be forgotten. And it was so important to me to hear your voice, you know, like to giving you a platform to give you the space where you can express yourself, someone who is just inside and has to struggle with everything some politicians decide, you know. I don't feel like it's separated, like leaders or, or in this case, like our leadership and the Hamas being a terror organization, defining this as leadership is, I don't, I don't think so. I don't see them as leaders. Uh, and I think there is a conflict within the, again, I, I'm not like a professional in any way. I don't have any, any authority like, or, or someone who kind of made me eligible to, to say anything, but I'm just concerned and I care. And the reason I, I care is not even, it stems from the same origin as someone in the same position as me who who adopts hatred and anger and wants vengeance for heinous acts of violence that were done. I mean, I, I hate going into details. I don't want to do that here as well. I'll say it very generally, very briefly. What happened is that on the 7th of October, which was this year at least, it's a Sabbath which is a holy day for Jews. And it's also like it's the, the holy day of the week. It's as if you have a, a holiday every every week. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's the equivalent of a Sunday, but with so much more like called regulations, you know, it's like there are rules and, and, and things we do. It's not just a regular Sabbath. It was also the uh, second holiday of Sukkot, which is another Jewish holiday. And it's not just these two things on the 7th of October, because in 73, 1973, the 6th of October was the day the armies of, I wouldn't say all, I'm not an expert in that, but I, uh, as far as I know, Egypt and Syria in coordination and with support from many other Arab countries around us, started a coordinated attack on Israel. It was also a holiday, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day that, till this day, there's a consensus about it in Israel. Like, it's, mm -hmm. no one does anything. Like, everyone, you don't use your cars, you just sit around. Even the military is at low, low profile that day. Um, and we were attacked, and the fact that this attack by Hamas happened at the 7th of October, and was a surprise attack just 50 years later. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I, I'm saying that it's not a coincidence. Like, everywhere on the news, like, everyone, historians, people, like, everyone says it's it's not a coincidence. This was premeditated murder. And you said that we're all humans, and I, I, I can't agree more. 
I mean, this is my, uh, these are some of my core values. I was educated, I was raised believing that a, a person, a human being is a human being, whether they are from that side of a line or the other, and whether the, uh, this color or that, it doesn't matter. Like basic humanistic values that should, in my opinion, be common to at least all of us. I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, it seems fair. It seems reasonable. And and this terror organization, and I'm not blaming the Palestinian people when I say Hamas. I'm talking about Hamas, the, the organization, despite the fact that it's more complicated than just separating it. But still, I'm saying they did anything but looking at Israel and Israeli civilians, just innocent people of all ages as as humans. They could choose to fight. I mean, they could have chosen to fight the, the military, just mm-hmm. pick a fight with people who are serving right now and they have the responsibility and they are being told that this is part of part of the game we have mandatory service here like we all go through it mm-hmm. everyone does what they can but they chose to take it way further it took me a while to get there but for me at this point i i say that this is not something i can forgive this is not something we should as people who believe in equality and and if people are people, then this act denies that idea to the core. And I just can't accept it. I I will not be able to live with myself by try and make this okay in any way. Like mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with me being an Israeli. It's just something that I, I would I think anyone anywhere should think like that. It's not just bad for me i mean i i will say i lost a dear friend um there were two major parties i don't remember the name of the bigger one it's like a like an international festival that apparently just happens on the border between Mm -hmm. gaza the gaza strip and israel um but yeah it was there um Mm -hmm. everything was fun and dandy as far as i know and there was another smaller festival, which is where my friend was. His name is Yuval. And he was there with his girlfriend and I think his cousin, Yuval, was... I mean, it's a, it, it was a tough loss. Mm-hmm. Very hard for me. And I, I, we didn't even know if he's alive or dead, if he was kidnapped. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, the party was on the border. The, the forces of Hamas attacked the bases around the strip where they planned to eventually take hold of of the settlement, the Jewish settlements around, but they first need to to neutralize the military. Mm-hmm. Which again shows that they they prepared for that. And I'm not saying I mean war is war. Having a your enemy preparing for something is just part of the game, right? But hmm. but but the moment they took it beyond the military and they attacked people at both parties without mercy, without like no holding back. Mm-hmm. Just slaughter. I mean, it's just what it is. And then the 
the settlements, families, children, elders, parents, babies. I mean, some were just killed on the spot. Some were taken as hostages. I mean, I can't even say hostages. They're not hostages. They're just, they were kidnapped. They were mm. taken away. It's not. My friend was just, Yuval was killed, was murdered for being there. And Israeli, presumably, because people at the party were not just Israelis. Right now, there are people in Gaza who are from plenty other nationalities. I don't know all of them. Yeah, I don't know all the nationalities, but people were were also murdered and, and taken because they were there. Mm-hmm. And again, that's this is exactly why I say that there is a time and there is a place for mercy and for you know to, to, like to blame people for creating this situation because Hamas doesn't just pop up one day and says we're a terror organization, we want to destroy the Zionist entity that lives here. No, there is a very clear source mm-hmm. to it, and and we can trace that without even trying. We conquered them. The result would be evidently that they would say, no, we don't like being conquered. Mm-hmm. It's been worsening for years, but this doesn't justify anything. N- not a single act of this this war. I mean, of what Hamas did to to bring this war upon us. I mean, they it's it's to the point of of actually like I literally say this is not something that I will accept anyone saying we started this. Mm-hmm. We didn't start this. We have a lot of hand, like a lot of responsibility in creating the situation. I do not deny that at all. Mm-hmm. But but this was far beyond crossing any line. This was like trampling that line and driving over it with a truck. Like, mm. Billy, I'm so sorry to hear yeah. about your loss. I'm so sorry for, for everyone's loss. It's not only you, it's a lot of people who lost their loved ones during that festival. And as you said, not only people from Israel, but people from all around the world who are attending that festival, which showcases as well that, you know, like the, it was more about the act itself, less about the people who were inside. And yeah, yeah you were saying as well that, okay, you don't want to deny that Israel caused the situation somehow. Um, and we were saying as well before, like, we don't want to make that a historical. <laughs> yeah, um, no, this is not a history course. lesson and I'm not a uh-huh. new person like this. Is... Exactly. But could you go back a little bit and describe like what happened in the past that, you know, the situation that is happening right now, why it is happening? To make a long story short, um, Israel was established in 48. The world agreed that it's legit. I mean, there was like a voting in the UN, mm-hmm. and there was an overwhelming majority that said yes to the establishment of a 
Jewish country in this specific piece of land. The thing was, not all of the land was given to the Jewish people. And parts of it, based on how many people are at the moment in different areas of this of the the chunk of land in discussion mm-hmm. um so what we call uh the gaza strip and what we call the west bank were mostly settled with people who identified as palestinian and anything else that we know today as israel had either some at least or a lot of Jews living in. Ever since then, um, Israel has been at war with the Palestinians and gradually, with the Arab world around us, and gradually we signed peace treaties over the years with some countries. We had uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, uh, even I think during Trump's uh, rule, uh, a normalization. But the thing is, it's always tense. Those peace treaties, they never are, never were, never are just pure peace. Mm-hmm. They are agreements that are very important for our relations, you know, between countries here. But there's always the problem of the Palestinian people mm-hmm. who were given land, but in their point of view were also robbed of their land. We robbed them. I personally, from my knowledge and the way I see, based on my education as well, I accept that. As a matter of fact, I say that they deserve the right, just as the Jews were deserving of this right back in the 20th century, to be identified as a people, you know, like as as a party. Nationality is part of what defines us, at least in this like modern world. There's no reason, in my opinion, to say they do not deserve that. I mean, if I take Germany just as a random example, the French, Napoleon, they, they attacked. And then people started asking questions about, oh, wait, you speak German as well. Oh, oh, also common folklore, et cetera, et cetera. Like this mm-hmm. nationality is not like something that some people deserve and others don't. Mm-hmm. It's the result of people react to to what happens to them and they they come together. So, I mean, if we say that the Holocaust got us together, the Jews, in a way, and we say that we have a common history, etc., I see the same. I, I look at this the very same way with the Palestinians. Just different circumstances, that's all. Part of the point is that in 67, 1967, uh, there was the what we call the Six Days War. It really was a very short burst of fighting in which Israel uh, reacted to an attack and had a very triumphant victory in which we took away a lot of land from the surrounding neighboring countries all the way to the Sinai Desert. Like we took a chunk of, of the desert from Egypt and that included the parts of land that were given by the UN or declared, mm-hmm. agreed 
by the UN to be Palestine. We we just <laughs> took over these things and and we we did justify it with you know historical connection to the land, etc. But the bottom line is people were there, we took over like and it's we've been back. in control. Yes, uh, and we've been in control for, uh, over that these parts for the past 56 years. Um, bottom line is we've been holding them as kind of like, you know, refugees in their own land. We've been ma- maintaining military hold over these areas and bit by bit over the years because we claim to have historical connection of the Jewish people to this land, we started building settlements there and we've got to the point nowadays where over 400,000 people live in the west bank who are jews as opposed wow, to right. i think i think roughly 3 million palestinians who live there imagine how crowded 3 million plus having chunks of land taken away from you because they are Held, being held by the Jews. I understand that completely. I do not justify the act of conquering another land and holding them the way we have been doing. Mm-hmm. This also goes against my core values. And this is why before this war, I've been a very strong advocate against this idiocy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nothing i mean violence breeds violence this is the simple the one thing we learn from this the gaza strip we left the gaza strip years ago in 2005 i think i mean we had people living in the gaza strip as a result of you know we conquered this land and we decided it's okay to just get in there and live there um and you know this Having Israelis living there also requires military forces to defend them because there is the, the conquered Palestinian people don't like having us around and we don't of like having course. them around. So it, it just it brings that of again. Course. The simple equation, violence breeds violence. Mm. It is so simple. The one thing I do in this situation is Again, I'll repeat it as many times as possible. I, I I regard the choice that Hamas made and the choices choices that citizens of the Strip, the Gaza Strip, made following that situation, which I can understand have connections to what I described earlier. Mm-hmm. They have clear connections to being conquered. The, the first thing that happened was Hamas came, they broke the uh, the fences, the barriers, came in, did what they did. But the Islamic Jihad, it's another terror organization who resides in Gaza, followed because they wanted in on the action. They wanted to have to have hostages from Israel because this is a very, very important asset for them. They can negotiate with that. They can... Mm-hmm pressure us which again war you know right but they were civilians and not only the jihad followed citizens of the strip followed and and the things that were done there 
stories that I keep hearing in history lessons about about battlefields and about wars and and the horrors of war became reality in in a day in, overnight. It's not that it wasn't bad enough, like we had to make it this bad. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been living under bombardments from Gaza who have been living under bombardments from us. This is the the this is how it's you been working. And, uh-huh. no, I mean, it's it's been working like that for for decades, for years, so many mm-hmm. years. and 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 again, as much as i as I want to look at this in a more complex way, and I think I, I generally do, when your life is being threatened to that point, I must say I justify reaction that is also violent. I'm not a pacifist. Mm-hmm. I think pacifism is, um, I think Orwell put it best when he said, um, pacifists only live on island nations with strong navies. I mean, the people who have the, who feel like they can say something about other people's injustices are probably the biggest hypocrites. And I can't say if they are for sure, because I don't know all the people who say these things, but mm-hmm. I have experienced in the past few days so many people from around the world who condemn Israel and only Israel's acts over the years, mm-hmm. which is beyond ignorant. I, I want these people to look to come over for a week. I don't know, like to to look us in the eye and say that. It's so mm. easy to say that from across the the sea when you quote unquote have your strong navy on your quote unquote island. Like mm-hmm. this is so <clears throat> I don't want violence, but this is the most important thing. And this is why it is so important for me as well to give you that space to express yourself. Because as you said, mm. If you look into the media, if you look into the comments of all around the world, Israelis, oh, are, uh-huh, Israelis are the ones who are damned for doing all those bad things. And, you know, they kind of deserve what is happening right now in, in the own mm. country. But again, like the people living in there, they're like just facing war. And no matter where you are facing war, so most horrible thing that can happen in your life and i remember like ever since we met we met five years ago ever since you were telling me uh uh-huh and in really good times in in new zealand (laughs) and i remember ever since then you told me how tense the situation is you know and of course not was nowhere near this of course yeah i mean this is like the the peak uh-huh. The, the the worst it's ever been by far, like by a by a mile. Mm-hmm. And I remember how many times you were telling us the university shut down, like the things happening in the streets. You were sending us so many videos of what is happening in Israel, demo demonstrations, and everything like that. And people are blind to that, you know. Like they only see the facts <laughs> yeah. that are that are presented by media but like no one 
hears the voices of the people who are actually inside and are facing all the things happening to them. The thing is, I think they have heard people from the inside. They've heard people from Gaza. And I'll say it as much as needed. I have full support of the fact that they are suffering as well. I mean, the people in Gaza are not are not living a good life. We have control of their electricity, of their water supply. 95% of the water in Gaza is not drinkable. But then again, if we're at war, should we be the ones in control of their of their basic humanitarian needs? I don't have a solution to the question, like an answer, a proper answer to the question I'm asking, but I'm I'm pointing a finger at the fact that, as I said, violence breeds violence. I mean, if we're afraid of their reaction and we want to have them held down, like keeping them down, then yeah, we've been doing that very well. And that would eventually explode. And it did, in the, the, the most horrific way. And um, I want, I really want to be able to just sit down and talk things over, you know, like it's, it's a cliche by now. Some, some people think it's beyond even realistic. And I understand why they say that. I mean, people here in Israel, my some of my best friends say that that there's nothing we can do. We live in a bad neighborhood. That's, that's how it is. And I accept. I sorry. I refuse to accept that. It's it's just it's not how things should be, and it's mm -hmm. not how things can be. It's just that the process by now of healing, mending, fixing things, especially after this attack, which I see people here in Israel infuriated by, by just the thought of Hamas existing, of Palestinians, of the word Palestine, you know? I see people here driven by hatred and anger which, although not at the moment the same as just slaughtering people, again, it stems from, from, from the same negative parts of, of us as human beings. I'm capable of understanding that. I'm capable of even relating to that. You know, I've hated people. I've wanted to, to like, I don't know, punch someone to hit them in the face. But I've never wanted it so badly that I would actually hit them. I mean, maybe as a kid, you know, but but we kind of agree that this kind of stuff happens all the time, right? No, I've never hated someone to the point of of trying to kill them. There's a play, a very, very famous play, um, 12 Angry Men. It's basically about the uh, judiciary system of the United States, but it it uses this to discuss through the 12 men who are chosen at random to be to be the jury. I mean, they're tasked with discussing 
and coming to an agreement about the fate of uh, an 18 years old kid uh, who was blamed to have murdered his father in, again, premeditated murder. One of them disagrees with the fact that the kid is to blame, like that he's, he's guilty. Uh, and the discussion begins. That's pretty much the plot. They try to go over things and discuss things. And at some point, one of them says to another, one of them says that I say, I tell the people that I, I want to kill them every day. Just the thing, you say that. And the other says, have you ever killed someone when you told them? A, a bit later on, the same two people, one of them says, I'm going to kill you. And he approaches the man with violence that needs to be put down, I mean, to be held back by other men around him. And the the guy who was attacked says, you weren't going to kill me, right? And then there's this very powerful, I'm talking about the movie, but like, it's just, it would be the same if you just read the text itself. It's it's so real. I've never wanted to kill someone. Mm. And when people from Hamas got to the point where they didn't just want to kill someone, they went through and did it. I, I look at that and I say, this is the fact that Israel is attacking now. I I consider this self-defense. Mm-hmm. And I stand by that wholeheartedly. It's self-defense. War has consequences that are always bad, period. There are no winners in war. No one wins. If you call a strategic... <laughs> Like improving your strategic position in in the Middle East or whatever, if you call any of that, or having more people killed in one side than the, more than the other, like if that's a victory, then then why sense. why do sports like why name things victories when we name that a victory? And we're defending ourselves. We're defending ourselves, and we while doing that as an act of defense, improving the chances of safety for ourselves. We're not responsible for Gaza. We have created what is going on here. I mean, we have this responsibility and we need to take responsibility, but we, it's not one-sided as it's being portrayed around the world. As mm-hmm. like Israel is the big bad wolf and, and everyone around us are the little piggies. No, this is not the situation. I mean, we do have a stronger military, but it's not. It, that doesn't make it just. And I'll, I'll say it a million more times. And I'll say that to anyone who approaches me and asks and wants to know my opinion. This is my firm stand that this is self-defense at this point, And it's. A horrible thing that needs to be done. It is by far the worst thing that can happen to humans. You know, what can you do more than protecting? Protecting. I'm, I'm afraid of the moment. I mean, in my opinion, the, the, the scales will evidently tip towards 
um, the Palestinians, and rightly so in a way. I mean, again, we do have a strong military. We have support from, at the moment, most of the Western world, as far as I know, mm-hmm. um, especially the United States, um, who actually sent their their forces here to mostly, as you know, as a as a show of force, but also as a show of support, as like we we got your back. Mm-hmm. Um, I also must say that Biden's speech made me cry. Israel is being attacked at the point where our leadership is anything but existent. Exist like there is none. <laughs> our prime minister is corrupt and and does whatever he wants like nominating people who are known criminals and fascists and and whatnot to parts of of defense of the country and 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 management and anything yeah they're all racists and i i can go on and on about how bad people were given power within israel these people are now making the management of war for us inside ourselves between ourselves so much harder the 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 ministry of information is like they spread they they never spread any word like they did nothing because they had no one to do that they fired everyone <laughs> i mean we don't have a government we we officially on paper have one but no one's there people are afraid of the government if anything so yeah, I mean, like again, this really, is part of the reason why I talked to you. You were saying before that sometimes you wished people would just come over for a week and see what's happening. I wanted... don't want that for anyone. I don't really want them to come here. They would suffer, of and course. I don't want them to suffer. Of course, but do you want to describe what they would see? It depends on where they stand. I remember uh, watching the news the other day, and uh, I think the the Minister of Foreign Relations from the UK came over, um, and he came all the way to Ofakim. Ofakim is one of the cities that were taken like taken hostage as a whole city. Like like Hamas went into buildings, into houses, and and held the the people in the houses hostage, if not killed them, and pretended to have living people inside. Uh, it, it was a horror show. He came over and he spoke to the people and as he left or was about to leave, there was an alarm. That means rockets are being fired at us. And he was led along with everyone else, just you know, everyday common people like you and me to the safe zone and had to stay there until he was allowed to by his people and you know the just the the norms like what we what we state is the minimum safety time to wait until there is no more like like we can be certain that there won't be any more rockets anytime soon um so i think he would he wasn't a god at that point. He wasn't a special person. He wasn't anything beyond a simple man. And I think anyone experiencing an alarm would experience that feeling of dread. A sudden, maybe a sudden, I believe. I don't think he didn't have a certain, like a, the understanding of 
what the situation is, but subtly experiencing it is so much different. It's just, it makes it real. It's not just a story across the sea from people who, who fight each other. It's, yeah, it's happening. Like, I could, I could find myself hurt, at least hurt, maybe. Oh my God, I might die. We've been living under this state, with this state of mind. I don't know, I've been growing up knowing this as reality. I mean, it's it's horrifying. It's, I'm still alive and I have things, but yeah, that's what they would experience if they would come over for a week. Wow, I'm, I'm so speechless. Growing up in a culture where you already know there is there are so many conflicts and every day has to be precious. Every day has to be held as a special day because you don't know what tomorrow brings. And it's like what the recent events showcased you as well. No one was expecting what was happening or what happened, you know. No one was expecting that just in a few days, thousands of people would lose their lives. No one asked for it. No one knew about it. You're living in this place right now by chance because you were born there. You had no choice, you know. Yeah. You're, you were just born there and now you have to face the... The choices like some people did and you have fear in your life you're facing so many things we can't even imagine you know it's it's horrifying it's I like my supposed... heart i feel i feel so much sadness in my heart it's so unfair it's incredibly unfair just like by where you were born to face these things and the other part of the world you know or people on the other side of the world, their biggest issue is should they have salmon for breakfast or pizza? You know, I, I have these problems as well sometimes, but it's not. I remember, remember, I sent you the video where I show you just how I'm. I just showed you guys like a video of of the night sky here where I am at Jerusalem. The street outside my house, my room, alongside the fact that we're at war life still goes on when i wake up i start by by opening my cell phone or my computer or and, and what i do with my time because everything kind of stopped is i focus on on trying to do whatever i can to improve the situation for israel again because i stand firmly saying that this is self-defense and i hear people saying that this is a justified attack on us I, in a way i'm at war i was not recruited specifically uh, i was never a combatant so i'm not needed at the front lines but just so many of my friends were and i can't sit down thinking that my best friends are out there fighting and I can't do a thing to help them or to to in any way help someone. So I I I wake up, I make food, you know, I do my things, I live my life, but I live it for in a way for not just for me. I walk around my 
the friends who are still here in the city in Jerusalem, I meet with them, I talk to them, I support them, they support me. I write things to people, I discuss on social media, I, I go and volunteer, like it's a mixture, but I don't want war to just be the horrors. It is mostly that. I mean, the part of reality that is war is the horrifying part. But the reality that includes war, it has a lot of, you know, just waiting, for example. The mm -hmm. time between bombardments to, to bombardments could be hours. We just had like 10 hours without any bombardments. And, and suddenly there was an alarm. And then, you know, you text your friends and family and you want to see that everyone's okay. Mm -hmm. And, oh my god it's just constant tension you never know no but that's the thing so you you i mean and it is it could be a horrible thing i i personally try to i wouldn't say down the down the tension with um with volunteering but but you know i have this urge to not sit down and wait for another attack i have this need to it's not exactly fight back. It's not exactly self-defense. It's just help people because we're all in need of help. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to start university in like two days from now on Sunday. And um, my second year of a BA, you know, I was very excited for it. I, I, I was hyped. And it's not happening. I'm... I don't know when we'll start. The official statement right now is the 5th of November, but I don't know. It might be longer because just a few days ago, it was the 22nd of October mm -hmm. before it was the 15th, Sunday. So I can't, I don't know. I, I can't tell what's going to happen. And if I stay with this tension and not just, and only look at the part of reality that is war, I would go crazy. There would be no future. Sure. And that's yeah. probably what's happening to a lot of people right now who have not the strength to volunteer, who have not the strength to go out and do all these things. And really, I'm so proud of you. I'm really so happy that you're like facing the situation with the best things you can do. And you're trying to be take part of that to make the situation better. And like no matter how bad the situation is, like in my heart, I feel like a little bit of blooming knowing that you're at least doing that for 28 years, darling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, thank you so much. This is again, I I can't express my gratitude enough. Like, um, I've been teary-eyed for most of the interview. Like, I I I I keep holding that back because I'll just lose track of my train of thought and I'll. I, I won't be able to like hold a conversation, but 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 again, we we started with talking about this, like the fa the fact that knowing you're all the way out there in another land, let alone a country, and you care enough about me as a friend to to give me to take the time to just talk to me wonder and to try to understand this conflict and this reality that is 
I mean, that is beyond imaginable in all mm. terms of what is okay. <laughs> I think everything is about understanding. Everything is about listening to each other and to understand what the real situation is. It's easy to just switch on the TV or the radio and listen to what's happening out there from a third perspective. But it's something completely different to ask the people, to ask you as my really good friend who is there, who's facing this situation right now, what is happening, what you're feeling, what the situation is. It's easy to judge. It's easy to judge from a third perspective. Yeah. When you it's don't easy to know. judge from first and second perspective as well. I mean, yeah. I again I said earlier. I look at people around me saying that we should flatten Gaza and we should destroy every single Palestinian living there. I, I no, 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 <laughs> not cool. This is not the way. Our our reaction to this last attack is going to be devastating for the other side. I don't stand behind that as a positive accomplishment. It's a necessity. And we'll do it. I'm not happy about it at all. But I, I, I totally see that as as a reaction that that requ- that is required in order to be able to improve the situation without basing like bloodshed is not not needed for for peace. You know, <laughs> you don't need to murder each other if you want to leave side by side. If you don't want to live side by side, why are you doing that? Why are you living side by side? I'm I'm making this so sound so simple when I say that I'm just being cynical about it, but but I would very much want to just be over and done with our defense and be able to rebuild ourselves. And moreover, I want us to, to be able to advance from where we are. This should be a wake-up call for both sides. This should be a wake-up call for for the world, for everyone. To all those, by now, they sound like like maybe empty words, but all those things I keep saying, I repeat myself in every discussion. Everyone who, who asks me, anyone I, I, I get the chance to possibly influence their opinion, you know, I, I I say this because it's true. Violence will only breed more violence. It's undeniable by now. Really, thank you so much for these strong words. Thank you so much. I hope people out there will listen to them and I hope they will take it by heart and I hope they will make people start thinking themselves. I hope they're not only listening to what is being told to them, but seriously start thinking. And you have all the support from me, from our friends, from everyone, not as an Israeli, not from as a Palestinian or whatever, but as a human being. And, you know, like one beautiful thing. So during my travels here in Mexico, but as well already in New Zealand, I met so many people from Israel and Palestine. And of course, sometimes we got really close in conversations and I was, we were talking about the conflicts and out there 
the people, they were not taking any side. Out there, people, my friends I met while traveling, they were all saying that what is happening is horrible. You know, like there were non-Palestinians hating Israelis and no Israelis hating Palestinians out there when I was traveling. And I met these incredible people, you know, which showcases as well. It's really is all like all the hate that is out there in the countries it's made by politics and as soon as people start thinking as soon as people start reflecting you know like no mother wants her daughter to be killed or their children you know like no, no one wants their loved ones to go to war and it doesn't matter in which country you've been born you know it's just by chance and this always should be reminded this always should be in our minds it's not just uh i mean i agree i totally agree and i i also say i just i want to add to that that the moment these things do happen when emotions of, of you know your national identity or 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 your pride or or anything even when it comes to politics and even whatever, whatever, like <laughs> when these things, when conflicts are made, the biggest challenge is to rise above the circumstances. And I understand when people find it difficult to do and, and I understand when people choose violence, but I do not condone this. This is not the way ever. And the only situation where it is again, is when you have to defend yourself, but it's just supporting, you know, supporting violence in any way, like thinking that it should be done. You, you put it perfectly, you know, I was, I didn't choose to be born here. I mean, anyone across the sea who chose, did they choose to be born there? It's very simple to just try and put yourself in someone else's shoes. It's, it's basic empathy which is required for us to be able to, I don't know, anything, love, even for hatred, you know, there's not one without the other, right? But but you put it very well, and I agree. But yeah. Ilya you is so strong. You're incredibly strong. And I really, I don't have the words, I can't fit it in words, you know, like what I feel. And it's just, please be aware that all the support you need, all the support that we're all there and listening if it's only listening right like listening can already do a lot if it's only listening then it's that but be aware that you're not alone out there you're not facing this alone this is definitely like what you're saying is is beyond known by now it's like it's felt very strongly and thank you Dana. Uh, Haley, thank you so, so much for sharing everything Thank you so much for taking your time, for expressing your thoughts, to be honest, to take both perspectives, not only one perspective, to see both sides. And I hope this will leave a profound message to the world that you're just humans, you know, no matter where you've been born, we are all just humans and no one deserves anyone to be died. No one deserves sadness, violence, you know, the future. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. 
I could never th- never thank you enough. Dear listeners, as we reach the end of this powerful conversation, let's carry its echoes into the world, transforming empathy into action. Gilad's words resonate deeply. Violence breeds more violence. It's a stark truth, a reminder that change begins with breaking the cycle. Every voice, every action, every choice can contribute to a more peaceful world. Here's what you can do. Educate yourself. Dive deeper into the complexities of the conflict. Understand the historical context, the stories, and the aspirations of both sides. Knowledge fuels understanding. Spread awareness. Share this episode. Share what you've learned. Let the stories of those affected by conflict reach more hearts. Awareness is the catalyst for change. Support peaceful initiatives. Contribute to organizations working tirelessly for peace, understanding, and reconciliation in conflict zones. Your support can fund, can fund education, medical aid, and vital resources. Foster dialogue. Engage in conversations about peace and conflict resolution. Encourage empathy, actively listen to diverse perspectives, and seek common ground. Inspire creativity. Encourage art, music, and literature as mediums for expressing the learning of peace. Creativity has the power to heal and bridge divides. Practice compassion. In your daily interactions, practice understanding and compassion. Small acts of kindness can ripple into large societal changes. Remember, change isn't an abstract concept. It starts with you, with us, with our collective commitment to a world free from violence and hatred. Your actions, no matter how modest they may seem, have a ripple effect. They inspire others to act, creating a wave of transformation. Thank you for joining me in this journey. Your actions matter. Together, let's be the change makers, fostering a world where understanding terms of our conflict and empathy paves the path to lasting peace. This isn't just an ending, it's a beginning. Let's step forward together with gratitude. Dana. Thank you.